Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalli, aka MDV, and you're sitting down with me for episode 100, and we're throwing it all the way back to episode numero uno with my main man, the Cali Bear, Jason Kalipa. Now, Jason's the CEO and founder of NC Fit. He's a 2008 CrossFit Games champion, and he is undeniably on the Mount Rushmore of CrossFit Games greats. He just competed in the Rogue Invitational as a legend and legendary status he does hold. Now, Jason and I work together at NC Fit. We put together a lot of workouts, motivation, content, the intro being one of those things. He has a podcast called Effort Over Everything if you haven't checked it out. But if you're a coach or a gym owner out there, I'm sure you've heard me talk about the NC Fit Collective. In 2023, we're doing some amazing stuff, bringing awesome workouts, awesome class plans, coaching development to you every single day. That's 365 days a year. You get access to the tools that we use at NC Fit to run very successful gym businesses. So if you're a gym owner out there, you're running a CrossFit affiliate, you're running a functional training gym, and you want to see our programming, you want to see our coaching development notes, you want to see our coach manual, you want to see our business development tools, we have it all at the NC Fit Collective. You can go to nc.fit backslash programming on the interwebs, or you can email us at collective at nc.fit, and we can hook you up with a free trial, with a sample, with whatever you need to check out what we're doing in the programming and development space. It's really special. I'm very passionate about it. Now, without further delay, let's get back into the conversation all the way back to 2020 with Mr. Jason Kalipa. Let's go. All right. Looks like we're recording. Awesome. Jason, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? Yes, we are recording. Yeah, a little role reversal here. So Jason needs no introduction, obviously. CEO, founder, NC Fit. Jason is the first and inaugural guest here on the intro podcast, which is really cool because I've been on his podcast like 20 plus times, Business of Fitness. Business of Fitness is a podcast that Jason runs, really focusing on owners in the space of the fitness industry, but also bringing in other experts around the world, different people that Jason has met talking about how to run an amazing business and lessons learned over the course of that journey. And this intro podcast is going to be a podcast that's really talking a lot to coaches and about the coaching journey, fitness journey, health journey, and all that kind of stuff. So Jason has also been around the block in coaching probably more than just about anybody in the fitness industry. And I want to pick Jason's brain today on what he sees when he walks into a room and he sees a coach absolutely killing it. What does that mean to you? So Jason. What's up, man? Let's let's start there. Huh? Let's do it. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Welcome to the intro. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I um I hope everybody's having a great week. You know, you you, you hit the nail on the head about the intro and the business of fitness. So, you know, we've done different podcasts in the past. Uh, Amrap Mentality was one that you know at the time I was really focused on, and and we have had business of fitness for a really long time. And the business of fitness I I'm really passionate about because I care a lot about raising raising the bar for gym owners mm -hmm. and sharing real life stories that we're going through and bringing those to people and hopefully helping them not make the exact same mistakes we're making. And when it comes to business, that's something I, I deeply, deeply find excitement in, um, enjoy in, in sharing those things. And I enjoy learning about new business ways. Mm -hmm. When it comes to coaching, I'm also really excited about that. It's something I'm really, you know, invested in as, as starting off as a coach and then kind of developing more as a, as a business owner, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think having two podcasts is really great here because 
it allows an audience to listen more business content over here, more co coaching content over here. And so mm -hmm. regardless of what you're into, we got you covered. Now, when it comes to great coaches, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of traveling around the world. I've taught a lot of seminars on coaching. And, you know, I, I think where it starts off with is this idea of, you and I have talked about this a lot, is the idea of care, the idea that someone's paying you for 60 minutes of undivided attention, right? Just, just all in. And so when I think about a great coach, it's someone that in, inspires someone. It's someone that has, make sure they get to a great workout, make sure they have a lot of fun and they learn something new. Those are the three things that I think about when I'm trying to coach a class. Meanwhile, what I'm thinking about is how can I allow this person to leave the, the room knowing that I gave my best effort? And, you know, something that haunted me early in my coaching career mm -hmm. is that sometimes I'd finish a class and I'd be like, dude. I could have done so much better on that. I didn't deliver my best experience. I don't know if you felt this way. I'm sure you have. Yeah, of course. And so the motivation that I have going into every single class is don't leave feeling that way. It's just like going into the workout. You want to put out your best effort in the workout. When the workout's done, you move on to the next workout mm. or whatever it may be. And so when I watch coaches, I really want to watch this, this sense of care and, and excellence, this idea that they're trying to give it their best that they have on that given day. Meanwhile, they're obviously continuing to develop their skills, learning new things. But on that day for that class, they're doing the best they can. That's what I think is an exceptional coach because not everybody's going to be perfect overnight. It takes a long time to develop. And that's part of the fun of being a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we couldn't agree more on what, what makes a great and excellent trainer, but I'm really curious specifically to you when you were on the floor coaching and, and. We all know your, your personality, your coaching personality is through the roof, right? You bring a ton of energy to the floor. That's what you strive for. I know that you do. But what were those times when you left the floor and you said, ah, oh, damn, I, I didn't give it my best that, that class, or I felt like I missed something. What was missing for you in those classes? I think at the end of the day, it really came down to two major things that caused me to feel that way. One was if I, if I overdid it. Right. I mean, you've been with me in places like Asia or different places where I'm just I'm coaching a lot of classes and maybe my energy tank is starting to deplete. And instead of just maybe, you know, and, and there's times where, hey, you got to do what you got to do and you got to just step up and go out there. Other times, maybe it would have been better just to assist that class and let someone else lead that class. So that that's something that I think is humbling is that every coach and owner needs to recognize that their first class and their last class, if you're not bringing the energy, bringing the excellence then maybe it's time for you to allow someone else to step in. So that's, that's where I've had mistakes is where I've tried to take on too much, mm -hmm. right? Coach too many classes in a given day mm -hmm. and, or when I've been distracted, when gotcha. I've been distracted, traditionally, that's when I leave a class. I'm like, dude, I could have done better. And that was when maybe the CrossFit games were a week away or maybe, you know, something was going on in my personal life. And I had a really difficult time segmenting the two. But what I had to learn over time is that people are paying me for, for an excellent experience they don't necessarily care what else I have going on in my life. They're there for the best hour of their day. And once I started learning how to compartmentalize that a little bit more, that did help me to always leave feeling like, man, I did a good job. Yeah. Another note was preparing for classes better. And I know you feel this way is that, you know, although we're talking about too many classes and being distracted, especially early on in my career, I got away with, you know, kind of bringing the energy, flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. And as things start to progress, your classes get bigger. The, the, the bar continues to get higher, right? Because in the beginning, it was all new in 08. It was so yeah. new. It was the Wild West back then. It was the Wild West. And, and, but as, 
as coaching got more refined, as gyms got more refined, so did your craft. And so preparing for classes was something that I still do to this day um, better, significantly better than I did back in the day. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't think that there's a solid argument to be made against the fact that if you prepare for your classes, you're going to do better. No, nobody's going to sit there and say, Hey, listen, you can go out there and wing it every single time and coach the best class in the world compared to if you prepared and went out there and coached. That's a no brainer to me. I think that it's wild that there's coaches out there who are still winging it by the seat of their pants. And this concept's really interesting to me. You know, we're running this NC Fit Pro Dev course, which starts next Tuesday. So by the time this podcast airs, it's going to be going. But the Pro Dev course is one of these things that didn't exist back when you and I got started in coaching. There was no tools like this. There was no people out there talking about it. And I want to hear your opinion on this concept because it fires me up. It gets me frustrated when I hear coaches say, I, I don't know what to do to get better. Or yeah. you, you as an owner, you need, to, you need to get me better. What does that make you feel like? What does that statement or sentiment make you feel like? Well, man, I think it's a, it's a, first off, I think each coaching is to take ownership in their own journey mm. and they need to determine where they want to go. If you want to, you know, make more money, if you want to rise up in the organization, you need to be able to provide so much value to that business that the owner and the team is obligated to provide you additional opportunities, Right. But when I first started coaching in 2006, 2007, Early. You know, there wasn't that much available. You'd go on to YouTube here and there. You'd go on to CrossFit.com. But I was fortunate to surround myself with some really great coaches um, like Austin Begeebing. And at the time, I was first introduced to Freddie Camacho. He's one of the OG OG yeah. guys. And these guys you know, started off, we were all like vested in this journey together. Like we all wanted to raise the bar. Like I remember Austin trying to teach me. I do my first kipping pull-up. And and we would spend so long like in the trenches because it was so new and unique. As the sport has evolved, as the industry has evolved, there's so many resources. It really comes on to you to ensuring that you're out there trying to better yourself because there's so many opportunities. The Pro Dev Series is an example. YouTube is another example. Different certifications and seminars you can go to. But ultimately, the coaching is realized like, am I really in this to get better? Or am I just doing this as a hobby on the side? Yeah. And I really... You, know, you got to sit down and say, hey, what are my goals? If I want to be the best coach possible, if I want to strive for, you know, in, improving my position at the company, then no one can, no one can do it for you. You have to do it for yourself because the owner can provide you tools. But if you're not using those resources, and we've seen it time and time again, we could provide you everything you need. But unless you really want to dive in and have this deep rooted desire to improve your craft, it's not going to do anything. And yeah. so I think it starts there, you know, yeah. and it, it, that's it. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I don't think that that's just specific to coaching, the craft of coaching, right? I think that that's more of a characteristic that makes a great trainer and that that characteristic carries over into other parts of their life. Typically, somebody who's all into coaching and is giving their effort every single day and preparing and is atten attentive to detail and really has empathy to the athlete's experience, usually that person are, is applying those skills to other parts of their life. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think what we would believe is like the really foundational root of being a great trainer, but also I, this concept and you brought it up just a minute ago, there's no excuse anymore to not know what's up because the game has changed since 2007, 2008. And if yeah. you're still thinking that the coaching game is the same, you're going to get left behind. And if the COVID pandemic doesn't do it, something else will, right? 
Yeah, and I think you're seeing that. So, so the COVID, what it did is it, it took coaching to Zoom. You could no longer rely just on turning up the music and going and sitting and scrolling Instagram, right? Because unless you have that deeper level of engagement, I know coaches understand what I'm saying with this one. I, I hope they do. Is that as soon as we pivoted to online, I think it required coaches to step their game up because you no longer have the brick and mortar, the atmosphere, the music, whatever to lean on. You're now leaning on the fact that people could come and go as they please. They can come on your class, they can leave. Yeah. And if you're not engaging deeply with them, you're really missing out on the growth potential as a coach. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me. One of the things I was thinking about the other day, I know that you've been, you know, interested in jujitsu and mm -hmm. I've had a deep interest in it for a really long time is that I would encourage any coach to, to identify new things they want to go explore. That could be rock climbing, that could be surfing, that could be, you name it, right? Yeah. Chess, who cares? But when you become a beginner again, it's really fun because you can start having a lot of empathy and compassion for, the, for, that, for that beginner. And I think that's an area that as coaches, in the beginning, you're all brand new. But as you get better and better and better, you stop th this idea of like continuously trying to learn new skills is important, not only for you as an individual, but also for your ability to relate to the newcomer coming into your gym. When you're in jujitsu and you're learning new, new technique, all of a sudden you remind yourself of what it feels like to be new in your gym. And sometimes over time in the gym, you get a little jaded, like, wait, you don't know what a push-up is. Or you don't know what, whatever. It's just because your frame of reference is a little bit different. But if we could encourage ourselves to get outside the gym, learn new skills there, that includes fitness skills, but also includes alternative things you yeah. want to do. It makes you a better trainer because oh, yeah. you're more passionate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. For, I think that's a super important topic. And this is something that I'm I'm much more aware of right now than I was when I first got started in this stuff. And I think that this is really common is that when you first get started in something that you're really passionate about and, and functional fitness, CrossFit, it had this quality magnified like a hundredfold that your vision, your frame of reference became so narrow. And all you wanted to do was just do this. And you lived in the gym. You, the only movements that you wanted to do were CrossFit or functional training movements. And everything else outside of that, and I think some of this is like our passion for it, but it was also some of like the kind of cult of personality that CrossFit formed was like anything outside of what we were doing was like, ah, oh, no, that's bullshit. You can't do that. But that's crazy. Like imagine, imagine not experiencing all these other concepts or movements or not learning from people out there. Like, I agree with you, man, going out and, and learning something new will make you a better trainer and also give you higher level of empathy with the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because... Because, you know, that's something I've, I've noticed. So, you know, I got into CrossFit in 2006. I dedicated my life for a really long time competing, meeting with the best coaches, the best powerlifters, weightlifters, whoever, you name it. But after a while, and that was something that's the, the cult side of it, is that it introduced movements that had complexity that mm -hmm. kept you excited. And I think yeah. that's really important to recognize that as coaches, we have the ability to, to create a, a runway for people that lasts so, so long because there's always something to improve and strive for which is one of the reasons why the Olympic lifts, et cetera, are so fun is because they keep you learning. But at some point in my trajectory as a coach, I, I wasn't seeing the, the major gains that I used to see in terms of my knowledge base, in terms of my potential as an athlete. You know, you make a two pound PR, it was like a big deal. But all of a sudden I got outside just, you know, CrossFit movements, I started seeing these massive gains it became really rewarding for me personally, but it also became really rewarding for my ability to relate these movements to, 
to the, to the beginner in the gym. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would just encourage people to do so. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I, I think it's really dangerous when people think of things so linearly, right. And we don't have to get into a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world right now, but everybody's just taking this really narrow view of everything. And it's like, no, if you don't believe what I believe, then you're wrong and you're a bad person. And I see that sometimes in fitness and, and in particular coming from our community that people hold that view that what we do and what we do is incredibly effective and fun. And, and I believe that anyone in the world can benefit from it, but it's not the only way to get fit. And it's not the only thing that I think people should ever do in their life. And to hold that feeling, I think holds us back as a community and as coaches in general from, from growing and becoming bigger and better. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, for sure. And I think any coach, if you really want to, and I think, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. If you want to grow an organization, a way to think about that is how do you make yourself incredibly impactful and incredibly, um, you know, to the business, to its growth. If you could start showing the owner that you are bringing skills and developing and, and, and putting the highest level caliber class on the floor over time, good things will happen for you. If that's what you want to do as a profession. And I think I, I really mean that because if you're a coach out there and you're having a mediocre class and you're getting away with it, you know, that's okay. But if you really want to be a professional, you really want to strive for that, that continuous improvement because maybe your job changes, maybe you need to go find a new opportunity. And if you're excellent at it, there's always going to be opportunities for you because you're going to be able to change people's lives. Yeah. And a way to get better is obviously educating yourself in fitness. Another way is just to have an open mind to different theories and ideas. And because there's a lot of really powerful people out there sharing really great knowledge if you explore it. But if you, you know, get to this point where you, you know, something I think about all the time is like reaching your potential. If you're a coach, you got to ask yourself, have I reached my potential in my knowledge base to, to add value to my members? And if the answer is yes, well, then I hope you're crushing it. But the reality is, it's probably not, you're probably not there yet. And that's the journey that makes this whole thing so much fun. Yeah. Why do you think, and I think this is a really deep conversation. We can go on this stuff for hours and hours, but why do you think there's a lot of coaches out there who are hovering in that mediocre classes, just getting by type of state? Because it, that crushes me. I hate seeing that. And not, I don't hate seeing it because I think that they are not having a good time. I think they're having a good time. I hate seeing it because I know that they're going to freaking wake up one day when they're 30 or 32 or 33 or whatever age. And they go, what the hell did I just do for the past seven years where I didn't get better and I can't transfer any of these skills and I didn't grow? What's going on there? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think that, I think that every coach just needs to ask themselves, you know, what are, what are my long-term goals? If, it, if it's just a hobby, if it's, you know, a couple hours a week, that's a different perspective. If you want to be a professional trainer, if you want to be a professional trainer, make this a career, then, you know, the onus is on the whole team to rise up mm. because if you're a, if you're an individual contributor, if you're, if you're a coach and you're not surrounding, sometimes people don't know what they don't know is, is a good way to put it. MVV is that, you know, I remember when I first got on the seminar staff for CrossFit, I thought that I, you know, knew a few things for sure. Walk on right? water. Walk on water. <laughs> and then you get there and you realize, man, you know, I have a long way to improve. And I think that that's, 
you, I didn't know what I didn't know, mm-hmm. right? I was, I was blessed to be surrounded by some great coaches, but as soon as I took that additional leap to be surrounded by even more of them, you realize you could pull knowledge from each one yeah. and we're all raising the bar together. And so I think what happens is some of these coaches are not intentionally mediocre at their craft. I, I don't think that's something that people strive for. I want to be mediocre, but I think they just haven't taken the time to, to explore other areas, right? Mm-hmm. Go to visit other gyms, go see other trainers, coach, go explore new things because it could open your eyes to this next level that there is available out there. I mean, yeah. I know there is for me, there's yeah. someone out there that's doing something really great and you don't need to take their entire class. You can take a piece of it, man. That dude had an incredible intro. I want to learn from that. Hey, that, that person was extremely talented in the way that they, they commanded the room, right? How do I take that? But if you don't explore other gyms, if you don't, if you don't put yourself in those positions, you might not ever know. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's something that's really important for coaches out there. If you want to know, spend, I don't want to spend any money. I just want to get better. The best thing, one of the best things you can do is start taking other people's classes, start going to other gyms, reach out to other coaches, say, Hey, listen, I'm trying to improve my coaching craft. Do you want to exchange? Can I come take your class? Can you come take mine? Who's going to say no to that? Right. That's an amazing opportunity, but I, I want to just highlight something really quickly. Cause I think that this is important is that, I think people are too comfortable sometimes. And I think that when you get into that stage, when you get to go to the gym every morning and you get to wear whatever you want and you get to work out whenever you want and you get to eat on the floor and you get to be a quote unquote coach in a gym, a gym rat, right? For lack of a better term, that's a really comfortable state. Who wouldn't want to be doing that? It's a lot of fun. There's no stakes. There's no consequences. But how the hell do you get out of that? That's, that's the thing that I think is really dangerous is that that state can years can go by and you wake up and you go, what the fuck just happened? Or, or maybe you don't want to get out of that state, right? Like, yeah, that's a and I think story. that's, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. So every coach seems to ask themselves, you know, am I where I want to be? And if the answer is no. So that's the first question. Am I where I want to be financially growth potential, whatever it is. Right. And if the answer is yes, well then we don't need to have a further conversation. You're at where you want to be. You're enjoying your job. We're good. Right. True. And that can mean eating on the floor, coming in with your no shirt, whatever. Right. If, if you're where you want to be, if the business is where it wants to be. And you as the owner, if you're okay with that. Right. And if the owner is okay with it, then, then who are we to say otherwise? Right. Everybody's good. Where it starts to become a little complicated is that if you're not where you want to be in your professional career as an owner, maybe you're not generating the type of revenue you want or, then you guys are asking yourself those deeper, harder questions. And that's where it gets really awkward because as an owner perspective, let's just say you're, I don't know, you have goals of making six figures from your business, let's just say, and you're not there and you haven't been there. And maybe you're starting to become a little bit older. You're starting to look at like, what is the long-term strategy? Well, you guys are asking yourself, how's the product on the floor? That's the first step. And you might need to make some hard decisions on who's on your team, what they're doing, and maybe re reevaluate the type of, of service you're providing. Um, and a coach would have to do the exact same question to themselves. You know, am I providing the service that's going to equal to where I want to get to? Yeah. And if you are, keep going. If you're not, then do a self-evaluation and then start striving for that. That's yeah, it. I think you're exactly right. I, you know, that's, if, if you are aware of your comfort and you're aware of your situation and where you're at and you're okay with it, 
and you're providing for your family and you're okay with your level of earning and all that kind of stuff, fine. And if your business owner is okay with it and your team is okay with it, right? It's another story if you're the person who's dragging everybody down, but you're okay with it. The tough part for me is that I know that there's a lot of coaches out there who aren't okay with that, who want to earn more money, who want to make 35, 45, 55, 65, whatever plus dollars per hour per class, and also start earning through personal training where they can charge three, four times that per hour, which is really an amazing way to start making this more sustainable for a lot of people. But you can't be showing up in sweatpants and eating your broccoli rice ground beef on the floor while you're coaching the snacks like that. That to me doesn't make sense. I can't reconcile those two things in my head. How do you handle that when someone comes? No, I, I want to know well, you because I can't handle it. Well, you, you just handle. I mean, you got to have an open, honest conversation. Hey, if you want to charge a premium, you need to provide a premium. That's the bottom line. It, it's just like anything, right? You you show up at a a five star hotel. They charge a premium. The expectation is a premium, right? You stay at a one star hotel. They charge a one star, and the expectation is there. And so you need to meet expectation with cost. And so meaning like, so if you're a personal trainer and you want to charge $120 because you believe your time is worth that, well, then you need to provide enough value to be worth that. And that includes your knowledge base, your charisma, your sales ability to be able to get people to sign up for it, your attention to detail when you're actually in the moment so you can renew your clients. And ultimately, the market will dictate how you're doing. Right. If you if you're seeing your classes are growing, if you're seeing that your your feedback, maybe you're sending out surveys and it's and it's growing in the right direction, then you're you're leading in that right direction. But if it's not, then you know that's a great way to to a and not reach your potential and b start driving your business in a negative direction or as a coach never never fulfill your financial needs. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 I think in our industry, you know, you know, I've talked about this a lot professional coaching is something that's just not spoken about enough in the sense that when you get into a career path, like being a lawyer or entrepreneurship, whatever, there's certain expectations that come with it. Right. But in our craft, there's this idea that, Hey, it's, it's bridging the gap between passion and profession. That doesn't mean that we can't be passionate and professional. Right. So true. You know, it's like you take these chefs, right? Chefs is a good example. They're passionate. They sometimes don't, you know, but the, the, the chefs that really do the, the, the Michelin, they're holding themselves to a higher caliber. Are they passionate about food? Are they exploring new foods? Are they selling out? No, they're just trying to raise the bar of their industry and their craft. And they're seeing excellent results because of it. Yeah. Um, and the proof is that, in the pudding. That is so true. That is so true. Just because you're talking about being a professional or being passionate doesn't mean those things can exist together. And, and w- when we talk about professional development, I think a lot of people look at it and go, well, that's not fun. And that's not true either. I, I mean, I know you have a hell of a time when you go out there on the floor and coach. I know all of our coaches at NC Fit HQ, and they have a hell of a good time when they go out there and coach, but they're doing so at a really, really high level. That's super powerful stuff. It's not just one or the other, you can meet at the intersection of two and be incredibly effective. And, and I'll even take that a step further. You could meet at the intersection intersection of being passionate, loving what you do, and still um, running a successful business as well. 
you know, just because you, you love what you do and you're passionate about it doesn't mean that you can't make money. It's okay to make money. Yeah. Money creates opportunities. Money grows your business. And, and I think it's okay to, to want to be financially successful and still help people at the same time. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. It, just because you want to be successful and make your financial needs doesn't mean that you're anti, you know, uh, you know, people and in improving their lives yeah. and results. And I think somehow those two have gotten kind of like mixed up in our industry. I, I think that they, it's, um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying there. And I think like, when I look at that, I think some people out there look at charging a lot of money for their services as exploiting the clients for what they might want or what they need, or, you know, they have this idea that, you know, you should race to the bottom on price on either your membership or your personal training services. And I think that's a really dangerous mindset to have because it devalues what you're offering, but devalues what everybody's offering here too. And you should feel really confident, whatever that number is that you think is the value for your time. And whether that's 300 bucks an hour or hundred bucks an hour, whatever it is, you have to be overconfident in the fact that you're delivering that and much, much more. It's almost like that's a deal for people. And even if it's a lot of money, that's still a deal. I don't think that you need to charge the lowest possible dollar amount just to get people in the door and just to teach them what you know, right? Yeah. And, and a good way to, to kind of lean into that is like this idea of earned confidence that I talk about all the time. is like, if you've earned your confidence to know that you're going to put out a great class, you're going to add a ton of value, you're going to improve people's lives. Yeah. And you've earned that from hours and hours of instruction, hours of hours of learning new skills, exploring new things, developing your craft, then you could feel that confidence when you, A, go talk to an owner and want to get paid a certain amount. You could back that up with your resume, let's just say. And, or when you are personal training, you could back it up with this confidence that isn't just some perceived like, oh, MDV, I think my time is worth 500. Well, why? Why is it worth that? Yeah. And will the market agree with you? And so I think as professional coaches, the idea is how do we earn our confidence every single day to continue to build our craft, to then continue to build our revenue potential uh, because they, they, they work hand in hand yeah. over time. If you're an expert at your craft, you're going to be able to charge more. And, um, you know, if yeah. you become really uniquely good at something, there'll always be someone that's willing to pay for your service. But if you're just mediocre at something or okay at it, th that, that starts to become a little bit more difficult. Yeah. There's nothing worse than you hear the price of something and you maybe ask a question about it. And then all of a sudden, all the cards start to fall, everything crumbles. You have to be incredibly confident in what you are able to offer and the price that you're offering it at. You can't, that can't be the first reaction to somebody who says, oh, it's a hundred bucks an hour, 150 bucks an hour. Well, why? And then all of a sudden your confidence just well, actually, you know, we're running a sale today. <laughs> oh my but, God. But that also goes for when a coach is talking to an owner. So let's just say a coach goes and talks to a new owner mm -hmm. and says, hey, you know, I, I like to charge my salary rate is $50 an hour. Let's just say for the sake of argument. Um, I think what's really unique there is that if they push back on that, the owner, then you need to be able to, to provide why you're going to make such an impact and or show them, right? Say, hey, look, I, I would like to make $50 an hour you know, for the next month or two months or whatever, we'll put me on a plan and start me off at 20 bucks an hour. But then I want to prove to you over time 
that I'm worth more and I want to reevaluate in 60, 90 days. Mm. And that's a really beautiful way to, to engage with an owner, right? Just like you want to engage the member and say, hey, for PT, I'm going to prove to you I'm worth this. It's the same thing for the owner. Hey, I'm worth 50 bucks an hour because of these. Let me prove it to you. Yeah. I'm not just going to ask for it. Let me prove it to you over time. Yeah. And I think if that mentality is in every coach's mind, it's a great way to constantly develop. Like Because to make more money, you need to make more improve your skills. And then to show the owner that you can add more value, you need to be able to provide a great class. And yeah. it's all works hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool idea. And then the, the concept of bringing it all together there is that you have that professional mindset. You've, you've worked on that. You've developed skills. You're confident in the fact that you're delivering a high value product. And then you go out there and you actually back it up and doing those three things all together, I think is a nice recipe for success. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, the takeaway I would give to any coach listening to this is that owners ultimately have to ask themselves a very simple question. This is because this isn't a business podcast about coaching, right? But the owner has to say, is this coach driving a return on my investment for the, for what I'm paying them? Are they great with the culture that I'm trying to lead towards? Of course. Right. Because it could be an incredible coach, but if they're toxic in the environment, that's not good either. Right. But, but number one, are they driving a return on my investment? That includes the value they're adding to members, but also includes the value they're adding to our team. If they're starting to be malicious and cancerous towards the overall ecosystem, they could be an incredible on the floor coach, but we still won't be able to provide them um, long-term trajectory because they're not aligned. But I think if a coach takes their coaching hat off and puts on their owner cap, what is this owner thinking about? It's a great way to develop your own trajectory, take it into your own hands because now you're striving to provide that person so much value through whatever you're doing mm-hmm. that they're obligated to show you growth in that organization. That's a, yeah, that's a cool way to look at it too. And, and it's often difficult sometimes to take the other person's perspective, especially when you're talking about things like money and having the other person's perspective on that and thinking about what is the owner looking for from me and how can I approach that conversation in a, in a smart and empathetic way. That's really, yeah. really critical. And it's a really difficult way to like take off your hat, right? But I think that that's something I've been trying to get better at is looking at it through another person's lens. Okay, this is MDV's lens. What lens is he looking through and how do I work with him on, on that, right? I'm thinking about that. Or, and then if you are saying, okay, Jason's looking at it through this lens, how do I get to where, and we're both trying to get to the same endpoint, maybe together, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe you decide it's not the right move moving forward together. But I think if you could, if you could take, if you could, and this is hard to do, right? But just like we're saying sometimes in early CrossFit days, people are a little bit narrow-minded. I think at times people are a little bit narrow-minded about professional growth in the sense that what you want, the owner probably wants the same thing but you just need to work together to get there. Because if you're successful as a coach, they're probably being successful as a business. But if you're being successful at the expense of the business, it just will never work. It needs to work together. You know what I mean? Yes. And ultimately, this is probably one of the most foundational criteria of being a great trainer is being able to see things from another person's perspective. In particular, when you're talking about athletes, when you're working with athletes, 
being able, just how you were just saying, when you're working with your owner, being able to see the things from their perspective, no matter if you're working with beginner athletes, intermediate athletes, people who've been around for 10 years who are still developing skills or those OGs who are the best movers in the gym, those hyper competitive people, being able to see the world or see the issue in front of them from their perspective will make you a better trainer and will improve that relationship with that person. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the, a great way to summarize this, 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 this topic is, is that, is that in a nutshell, right? Yeah. And, and doing that is a lot harder than it, than it sounds because it requires you to be humble in your approach and, and to evaluate what each person's thinking about. And to also, you know, sometimes you don't know what they, what they're thinking, obviously, but you could kind of assume you can start thinking about, okay, this owner, he has, or she has goals and aspirations how do I support them along that journey while they simultaneously support me? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not one-sided. And I think that's where coaches at times, from my experience, and we've had hundreds of coaches. So yeah. this isn't talking about one or two, but over the, the span of coming on 13 years, working with hundreds of coaches, when a coach looks at it like a symbiotic relationship, oftentimes we're both more successful. When a coach looks at it as just their priorities, oftentimes they're successful for the short term and then it ends up dissolving. Yeah. And so, you know, that's just some feedback I'd give to any coach is just that, 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 that theory. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a level of ego and emotion that comes into this stuff. You know, I think in particular talking about your status within an organization or the money that you're earning, that can be really emotional types of conversations for people. I know I'm one of those people that it's an emotional topic for me because it involves my way of life, my quality of life, uh, you know, my value as an employee. And I, I oftentimes like pretty recently have had to check myself on those kinds of conversations and make sure I'm not infusing too much emotion into it and seeing things clearly. And I think that whether or not you're talking about a a conversation about money with your owner, or you're talking about a moment with your athlete when emotion can get the best of you, these are really, they can be great conversations and lead to a lot of fruitful and and amazing relationships, but they can also be conversations that if you have too much emotion or ego involved in them, that they they can become very dangerous for you. Yeah, and just to kind of like highlight that, you know, I'd also recommend any coach out there to, um, to just have good collaboration and good, um, communication, you know, it's just like any relationship, you know, um, my wife and I have been together for a really long time. And one of the reasons why I think we've stayed together from high school is because we've been able to talk about things and the birds and the bees, the conversation, I've seen a lot of businesses fail and relationships in general, because there just wasn't enough, um, communication. Mm. And I think that if you're a coach out there and you're looking to grow in an organization, I think having clear conversations with the owner, and maybe you guys will agree to disagree. Hey, look, I want to go here. Maybe you want to go there. You know what? It's probably better to part ways. But I think if you don't have those conversations over time, just resentment will build up. And so I think putting yourself in their shoes, I think constantly striving to improve your craft will always provide a bigger impact. And if you decide that improving your craft doesn't mean the profession of coaching and you want to go do something else, that's fine too, right? But if you're going to decide to be a professional coach, let's try and raise the bar so you can have more revenue potential, so you can add more value, so you can make a bigger impact. There's so many benefits. But I think the more you can communicate with your owner, the better 
not, not, not the more, but, but having more honestly, I would say, right. Have, having good, honest conversations like, Hey, you know, I've been coaching here for three years because I receive direct messages almost daily from coaches saying, Hey, I'm feeling this way with my owner. What do you recommend? And the thing I always tell them, I mean, like, like verbatim is, Hey, ask your, ask your owner out for coffee and go let them know how you feel because chances are the owner doesn't know how you feel. And it's going to be better for both of you to have a conversation because one of two things are going to happen. Either a, you're going to agree that, Hey, we need to move together in this path. I, I wasn't familiar with that. You felt that way or B it's like, Hey man, I, I love you. You're great, but we don't see eye to eye here. We should probably part ways. And, yeah. and maybe it's not that extreme, but you get what I'm saying. No, I understand what you're saying. That's really, uh, we've covered a lot of stuff on, on this podcast. I was going to just talk to you about what, what were the, the qualities of the coaches that you saw around the world that, you know, knocked your socks off. But this, this has been a really, really important discussion. One of the things that I want to kind of wrap up on here and just kind of close that last loop is that if you're feeling that way about having a conversation with your owner and you go, oh shit, I'm not comfortable enough with my owner to have that conversation, or I don't feel like I've even done enough to earn that conversation with that owner, you have to take a really hard look in the mirror and you have to start one, opening up the communication with the people that you work with prior to having that big conversation that you want to have. This kind of open and honest feedback type of thing is so, so huge. And I think it's, it's great for athletes and coaches within teams, but it's also great within your uh, uh, gym organization. The other thing is that you want to be able to feel confident and comfortable having those types of conversations. And that if you immediately go, this conversation is going to be a nightmare, that might be saying a lot either about the organization that you're in, the owner that you're with, or your results within that organization. So there's a lot of different things that people need to think about in having those conversations. But I agree, communication. So many many variables. And, and, And by the way, if you don't have that relationship with the owner, then you should probably have that relationship with some type of manager or someone you work with or or whatnot. It doesn't have to be the owner per se. It depends if you're a smaller brick and mortar or a bigger organization. But the point I'm trying to make is that I think in business, just like in any relationship, in any class, it's communication. You have a member who comes into the gym that constantly comes in late. You just have a conversation, right? Instead of building up this resentment and awkwardness, or you have, um, you know, uh, whatever, right? You have a member that always is talking while you're trying to coach. You just pull them aside, but trying to like make some like stark remark when they're in the class or or trying to make an example by having them do burpees in the corner. It's just, it's never going to lead towards the end state of continuous improvement for the organization and for yourself. And I just think that's something that every coach, every owner, every athlete should be just constantly thinking of is, you know, especially right now in 2020 with COVID tensions are high, emotions are high. And how do we just take a step back and recognize we're all trying ultimately to get to the same place. We are, we are, we're all trying to get better, including the owner and the manager and the coach and the athlete. But the, the more we could all move in lockstep towards that, the better. And then sooner, if we find out that we're not moving in lockstep, just pivoting away from that. And we've had employees that I really, really liked. I mean, really liked, Yeah. but we just weren't on the right path. We weren't on the same path together. Yeah. And, and I, that's fine. And that's okay. That's okay. It's fine. I, yeah, that's that's one of the other things too that I think people get a little too rigid about here in the in our industry in the craft of coaching is that they think of it as 
for some people, yeah, this is going to be your be all and end all. And you might stay with that organization for years and years and years and years. But we have to also be real about the type of work that we do and that it is okay that this might be something that somebody picks up for just a few years and invests really heavy, heavily into it. And they take those skills and then they go apply it somewhere else. And they go maybe work for a different organization or an organization within that bubble of fitness, or they go do or be something else. That's okay. And I think the sooner that we all feel that way about what we do, the easier some of these conversations are going to be. Well, and the skills that I'm talking about here, they relate to any profession of any growth. If you're a coach out there and you're listening to this, you're like, dude, yeah, like, but what we're talking about relates to all areas, right? Yeah you know, not acting, you know, uh, you know, having clear communication, et cetera, no matter where you go in your professional career path, that'll be there. And yes, one of the challenges with, with, with our um, industry is that a lot of businesses got started out of this idea of wanting to, you know, follow their passion as an owner. And ultimately they kind of created a, a system that was lacking some professionalism. And we see this all over the world. Now, over the years, it's gotten a little bit better. But what it does is it fosters this sense of this, this lack of professionalism from the top down overall. Mm. I think we all need to ask ourselves, how do we raise that bar together? And because, because we're not where we need to be as an industry yeah. and we could constantly improve. And there's going to be wolves that are going to be coming in. They're going to be knocking at the door. For and sure. if we, it's, it's good for everybody when we raise the bar because we provide more value to members, which provides more value to the business, which grows our business, which then means we can make a bigger impact on a bigger society. Um, so it's not selling out. It's just professionalizing what we want to do. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who, who go and say, I only want to be successful up to X. This is an industry and a craft that I think a lot of people get into it because they want to push their limits. They want to be challenged, but you can get comfortable in this stuff and you can fall back into old habits that are really comfortable. And I think that that's ultimately what we're talking about here is that raising the bar professionally is uncomfortable for people sometimes because it challenges things that feel really good and feel really easy for them. But that's not the way that we all get better. That's not the way that we win over people like, or compete with people like Peloton or anybody out there who's coming in real hard or the other coaches out there in the space who are just 10 xing what our coaches are making on the floor. The way that we get there is by standing next to those people and exceeding those people in the kind of quality and the kind of professionalism that they bring. Well, you know, those guys are all having a great time and cashing bigger checks. So that's kind of ultimately what, damn, I'm fired up right now. <laughs> it's that, you know, you know, it, it's just like in your workouts, right? You know, it, it's so funny because in our industry, people will grind it out in their workouts. And then at times they'll stop, they'll leave a lot of room on the table in other areas of their life, right? And imagine if you just took that same approach to your, to your business and your coaching that you do yeah. your workouts. Hey, I'm good at bar muscle-ups, but I suck at weightlifting or whatever. Okay, I'm going to go work on my weightlifting, do a five-by-five five back squat program, whatever. Now, how do you take that same approach into your coaching? or into your business or into whatever else you're doing. But that takes a self-evaluation that's pretty deep. But if you could do it for your workouts, you could surely do it for your coaching. And, you know, have someone else come and critique your class, right? Yeah. And, and be open to that, you yeah. know? 
Dude, I, 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 man, I want to keep going on this podcast right now because I want to, I want to get into this topic really badly, but I, <laughs> I think working out is just too fucking easy, man. It's too easy. Working out is easy. And I'm not saying that in the sense that the types of workouts that we do aren't hard, they're challenging, but working out is also just really fun. And like, you get these amazing physical benefits out of it. You get to like look ripped and you take off your shirt and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. Like the other stuff that is going on in coaching, I, the comparison of like the workout as being the, the comparison to your craft of coaching. I, I still think people do those workouts because they're comfortable in doing the workouts. Although work at, working out is quote unquote hard. The reason why coaches are working out three or four times a day and not going to the fucking games is because it's fun and it's easy. It's harder to say, I worked out one time today for 20 minutes, really got after it. And now I'm going to spend those additional three hours getting better at my coaching craft. Yeah. I mean, a, a good way to put it is that it's, it's, it's where they're comfortable. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, look, I ask myself all the time, right. When You're it comes to this. coaching, when it comes to whatever I'm doing, you know, it, it, you know, someone I was on, I uh, interviewed these guys, BJJ fanatics on our podcast mm -hmm. the other day. And he said something to me that like really struck me. Like he said a variety of things, but one thing he said was that they weren't failing enough. And I was like, Oof. So this was like maybe three years ago, their business had exploded. They were crushing it, doing whatever millions of dollars, who knows? And they sat down as three founders and they said, hey, everything we're doing is doing extremely well. That tells me that we're not taking enough risk, not taking enough chances, not pushing the envelope a little bit because it's okay to have some little failures here and there because that's the only way we, we grow and improve. And I think that that's something that I'm thinking about a lot. It's like, huh. Like we're not failing enough. Now I'm not saying you should be failing everything. Of course not. But if you're not finding some failures in certain areas or, or maybe you're not, you know, having challenges in certain areas, perhaps you're not exposing yourself to enough of those. And then through those, you then obviously overcome the adversity, boom, and it, and it skyrockets you to the next layer. Right. And that was something that was really cool that, that he highlighted. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a fantastic way, I think, to close out this conversation. I mean, that that is, those guys are massively successful in a space that's all not too different from what we do. And they're telling themselves that they're not failing enough, man. That's a cool mindset to have, right? That's really, really cool. But Jay, dude, I know you're a busy guy. I know you got to go out there and you might got to hike Camelback Mountain again this morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah, never again. But I wanted to thank you for being the inaugural guest on the intro podcast. I'm sure you're going to be on here a whole bunch. We're going to wrap about all things coaching, fitness, health, and life. Jay, any last words before we hang it up? No, I'm excited for this podcast. I think it's going to be really, really valuable. You know, for anybody listening, um, you know, I, I take a deep-rooted passion to the business side. I love the coaching side, but I'm really, really bought in on the business side. And MDV is a little almost like the, the complete opposite, right? He, he likes the business side. and he, We could talk about business but he really is deep rooted. Like, so what you see is what you get. I mean, this guy really, really cares about the profession of coaching. And I think that we have a lot more in store on this particular podcast um, because you live and you, you breathe it. This is something you really care about. And I know we've been talking about this for a long time. It's nice to see the, the podcast come together um, and, uh, and, and thrive. Heck yeah, man. I'm super excited for it. We're going to be releasing episodes every Tuesday. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Jay, thanks for being on. Let's go have a great day, man. All right, guys. Get after it. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. 
And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends.